0: We are the Narrators 3, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell, and this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price.
1: Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 18, The Stable Boy. The original air date was April 1st, 2012. The writers were the Kitsowitz, the director was Dean White, and the title card is a woman riding a horse. All right, so let's dive in to our story tonight. We begin in Storybrooke on a close-up of Regina as she tenderly holds a ring, pressing her lips against the surface. Her thoughts are elsewhere and her expression is vulnerable. Mr. Gold catches her, asking, remembrance of things past? Instantly, the vulnerability on her face vanishes as she hardens up her invisible barriers again and demands to know what he wants. We learn that this meeting took place one week prior to the end of the last episode. Mr. Gold asked Regina for her influence over the district attorney to erase his pending battery charges from when, you know, he beat up our uh, good friend Mo 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 French. Mo French.
2: Mo French. Mo French.
1: In exchange for Regina's help, Mr. Gold will assist with Regina's Mary Margaret problem. We learned that it was Mr. Gold's suggestion for something tragic to happen to Catherine and to frame Mary Margaret for it. The plan included leaving a key to the jail cell for Mary Margaret to use for her escape. And as Mr. Gold says, we all know what happens to people who attempt to leave Storybrook.
0: I love that none of us have notes after this scene. <laughs> we're no, just like, we're yeah. just
2: like, we're just like, yeah, that's what happened.
0: Yeah, that checks <laughs> yeah. out. It checks, it checks out.
2: out. Sounds legit.
1: <laughs> we we still blame Regina. Fuck that. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, it's clearly Mr. Gold has his own plan all along. He's oh, using of course to get himself out of this one problem.
2: Yeah, he has an angle. He, he just didn't an want to. He just didn't want to, you know, go in the clink for hitting Mo French a bunch of times. Mo
0: French, the new star of the latest Guy Ritchie film.
2: <laughs> Mo French, rock wouldn't and roll at two. Let us even, be then? even be then. He would like. He would be the guy who dies within the first five minutes of a Guy Ritchie film.
1: <laughs> they would like die like, on a toilet or something. Yeah, he'd die really. Yeah, he'd die in a stupid way. And like Shot
2: in the Gerard chair. Butler would just like shrug comically after
1: it happened. <laughs> Flashback to the Enchanted Forest. We see a younger version of Regina going through an equestrian jumping course. Her father, Prince Henry, is praising her as she executes the course flawlessly. Her mother, Cora laughs disdainfully, criticizing Regina riding bareback rather than with a saddle. Henry attempts to intervene, but Cora demands that he cease to coddle Regina, going so far as to call her daughter an old maid. She has some line here about how Regina
2: is too old for fun, and it's like, you're right, at a certain age, you need to only be interested in taxes and fiscal responsibility. Ew like adulthood
0: is a trap and a lie
2: (laughs) i only like taxes only like taxes i care only for fiscal responsibility she is my true love let's talk budgeting (laughs) i remember business
0: (laughs) fun fact regina's horse is named rosenante the writers named him for don quixote's
2: steed them ours though oh my ours yes well done thank you (laughs)
0: rosenante
1: Cora laments that she had such high hopes for Regina. Daniel, the stable boy, tries to interrupt her with an offer of a saddle. Regina quickly shuts him down, handing over the reins to her horse, demanding that he never interrupt her mother again. Once the young man leaves, Regina asks Cora why she always has to criticize her, but Cora insists she's helping. When Regina tries to walk away, Cora uses magic to immobilize her daughter and suspend her in midair. Exasperated, Regina shouts, you know I don't like it when you use magic. Cora replies that she will stop using magic when Regina starts being an obedient daughter. Why can't I just be myself? Regina asks. Because you can be so much more if you just let me help you. Regina tries to further protest, but Cora's magic takes the tack Regina was holding and it wraps around her body, squeezing until she promises to be good.
2: It should be noted that during all this, her dad just stands there and is utterly fucking useless. Like, way to go, man. Give us nothing.
0: Yeah, I think we will eventually have a Prince Henry deep dive analysis discussion.
2: Is it gonna be that he sucked?
0: I think there, it's more than meets the eye a little bit. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like
1: he's also being abused. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he can't he can't step out of line with Cora. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man, I guess. But also like But he should, I, it's his daughter. So, yeah, but like Oh but no, absolutely. But also, I'm sorry. Like she like full on goes for Regina and like the most he does is he's all like Cora, honey.
0: Yeah, he's like, don't stop, come back.
2: And pretty much she's like, Oh no, no, don't do that. Don't it's do like that. you useless sack of shit. Yeah. Why are you even here? What purpose do you
1: serve? Paying for, I guess, this house.
2: <sighs> yeah.
1: Cora releases her. Regina runs away to the stable and meets with Daniel. She apologizes for snapping at him. He accepts her apology and they embrace and share a passionate kiss. Okay. Is it just me or does Daniel look alarmingly like a young Christopher
0: Reeves? Like I just cannot unsee it. I just get the Superman theme song stuck in my head every time I see him in a scene. Yeah, no, I, I see it.
2: Whenever I see him, I always thought he looked like bootleg Alexis Denisoff. Who? From Buffy. Yeah, okay. I see that too. <laughs> like he was him. Buffy who was he in Buffy Wesley he was he was Faith's watcher
1: yeah Wesley so oh he was Faith's, uh, Giles he was also,
2: equivalent mm-hmm.
0: I, I thought Wesley was the uh army guy <laughs> or no, like that's the, Riley
2: the Riley yeah. Riley
0: whatever I don't know. it's
2: okay there's a lot of boys with Y names in that show <laughs> okay okay lots of N's I know I know who Giles
0: is because Giles is the best
2: yes yeah, so he's
1: he was Faith Giles Giles yeah
0: oh
1: and then he was on Angel after that
0: and Faith is Eliza Dushku.
1: Yes, hell yeah, she is.
0: Look at look at this. I'm learning new <laughs>
2: things. <day>. I'm very <laughs> proud of you right now, honestly.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I like Spike and Drusilla and and Giles. Those are my yeah.
2: Those are good choices. Good those choice. yes, those are very good choices. Oh. Fun fact: like a fucking billion years ago, I cosplayed Drusilla <gasps> when
1: I was like a wee babu of like 21.
0: Aww, little babby Lynn.
1: Um, but I see I see both those actor similarities uh, with with uh, Daniel here i see them both i mean i definitely see it now that Chell said it but yeah. like definitely every time before it's
2: you know i just was like you're boot like alexis Denisov. <laughs> <laughs> but not as cool because you don't have a british accent
1: yeah <laughs> i didn't place him as as either of those and i kept looking at him being like i know you're f- from something but i was like i don't actually think i've seen him in anything but it's probably yeah. those two similarities both of it's them. it's just that he kind of looks like a photocopy of a few other people yeah yeah
0: and that's and that's how actors get hired <laughs>
2: It's true yeah. because yes. like they, they definitely gassed. are like we want someone with a like a whatever vibe to them. Yeah, if, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we want I a
0: Christopher it, Reeves like bi- vibe, but like on a Alexi whatever budget.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know for like there's a period of time like almost every commercial casting the for male voiceover requirement it was John Krasinski type like that was literally like in all like the commercial casting. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing about that.
0: It was John Krasinski,
1: um, a Jim from the, from the Office. office. I've never seen The Office. You've seen A Quiet Place? No, that's no. a spooky movie. Child doesn't like spooky. Oh, he was in the so
2: trailers so. being a hot dad.
1: <laughs> I'm going to Google him.
0: Oh, yeah, he's a snack. I he's, love he's, him.
1: He's a cutie. He's a cutie patootie. And then he he's gets married, to him and him he's married to Emily Yeah, he's married to Emily Blunt. So, so that's just a beautiful couple.
0: Oh, my God. I love him. Okay, sorry. Back to the episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this is our first introduction to Cora. And she's the worst, like literally worst. I mean, Barbara Hershey is amazing in this role. Like you'll love to hate her, but Cora is the worst. I love Cora so much. Yeah. No, she's great. She's <laughs> Because great. she's the worst. Yeah. And mm-hmm. She's great because she's the worst. Like she's an A plus villain. She's she's wonderful. <laughs> she's wonderful and terrible. And I also have to give props to Lana um, for the scene. And just in general, in this episode, I think she does really well portraying younger in this and in some other future flashback episodes we see like in other seasons. But I think she does well. She definitely presents herself differently. Still Regina, but much younger, you know, different voice. Um, and also props to the hair and makeup department. Because I think they did really well, like, choosing colors that don't normally use for her. That definitely, you know, deages ages her. Um, and the braid, like, the tight braid I thought was a really nice touch, too. It works. It, it's a very subtle deaging. It's nothing too extreme. They didn't really go too to extreme with, like, the young-looking makeup. I think it's pretty convincing to read someone who is... Regina, but different, different than the one we know, but still feels a little like her. So so props, props to all involved.
0: Yeah, I think it can come off rather comical when actors play a younger version of themselves, like a parody. Um, The short-lived sitcom Titus did this actually spectacularly well, but it was deliberate like when when the comedian Christopher Titus and they would flash back to his youth but he would be be wearing like this like you know gross wig and talk like shh <laughs> sure, man you know i mean it was it was for comedic effect um and you don't want like it to stray into like parody drag you know kind of that arena in something like this but Lana is completely believable as this like fresh-faced young woman coming into her own but still under this overbearing thumb of her mother you know I think the longer hair and the lighter color scheme lend well like as visual cues that she's 22 you know because that, that's how old she is here
1: yeah I think they do a really good job I think she does a really good job I think hair and makeup and even uh-huh. you know wardrobe the colors they have her in I think everyone painted a really good picture of it it's believable yeah yeah flash forward to storybrook where david is pestering emma about mary margaret emma tries to brush him off curt with him in her solidarity with her incarcerated friend emma lays it on david refusing to dismiss the shitty shit he said to mary margaret hell yeah emma wreck him so good i love her sticking by mary margaret and and just giving david that well-deserved shade
2: yeah fuck off david
1: Also, I love the blocking of Emma exiting Granny's and like pulling her hair back into like a ponytail. It's very natural and it just makes everything feels more real. So it's a really nice detail. There's a lot of great little small touches in this episode, I think.
2: Yeah. Also, the ponytail is just very cute and I'm glad she keeps it for like the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah, That's good continuity.
1: It is. (laughs) For (laughs) once. For once. I know this episode is a world of difference uh, to like an episode like True North where the blocking is just so lazy right there are so many scenes we we harped on and this one there's like all these really nice little details that makes this episode feel lived in so that's
2: the one thing about true north that you're gonna pick out as being lazy
1: (laughs) (laughs) david word vomits some backpedaling bullshit but underlines it with the fact that he doesn't think mary margaret is guilty he wants to visit her but emma tells him mary margaret doesn't want visitors emma says the last thing mary margaret needs words of encouragement from him When David asks what Mary Margaret does need, Emma says, a miracle. Meanwhile, Mary Margaret wakes up startled in her jail cell to discover Regina is watching her.
2: That's not creepy at all.
1: Oh, It's like some Twilight nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Regina offers Mary Margaret the chance to confess and spare the town and herself a trial. Mary Margaret insists she is innocent, asking why won't anyone believe her. Regina reminds her that the murder weapon was found in her apartment and her fingerprints was on the jewelry box containing Catherine's heart. Regina stands up, relishing her presumed victory that Mary Margaret is leaving Storybrooke. Mary Margaret asks Regina what she ever did to make her hate her so much. Regina opens her mouth, but stops herself from answering. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Regina rides out to meet up with Daniel, who has an entire day and evening of romantic activities planned out for them. Sadly, Regina cannot stay long, as she is due for tea with her mother in an hour. Frustrated, Daniel is tired of hiding their relationship and wants Regina to tell her parents. Regina corrects him, it's her, implying that the problem solely lies with Cora. Daniel scoffs at this. Revealing Cora was the daughter of a miller, and therefore should understand the love between a commoner and a noble. But Regina says Cora thinks one's trajectory should always move upwards. And I'm down, Daniel says forlornly. Regina does not share these prejudices, and Daniel urges her once more to tell Cora. Fearful of her mother's magic, Regina is afraid of what Cora would do to them should she discover the super-secret sexy lovers. Daniel believes that the power of true love is able to overcome anything. They are interrupted by a cry for help. A young girl is on a runaway horse and unable to gain control of it. Without hesitation, Regina hops on her steed and rides to the young girl's rescue.
0: I, I love that Regina just kind of plops Snow White down on the ground like like letting a little cute cupcake go splat i mean it's more <laughs> realistic given the trajectory and the speed of the horse and everything but it was really funny to watch and, and <laughs> not hurt or anything it's not like she just threw her on the ground
2: but she just like heated her. her i was gonna say she would just <laughs> eat her directly at the earth yep, just <laughs>
0: eat her right to the ground Biked threw her on the ground <laughs>
1: Flat. regina scoops the girl up to ensure she is unharmed when the girl says she'll never ride a horse again Regina gives her a pep talk saying that the only way to overcome fear is to face it and get back on the horse as soon as possible. You can get back on that horse if you can
2: fucking find it because it's halfway to Agraba by now.
1: <laughs> the young girl then introduces herself as Snow White before embracing her rescuer. And this kid does such a good job emulating Jennifer Goodwin. It's crazy. She is so
0: earnest when i first watched uh, once upon a time i kind of found her a little unnerving like she's intense she's really <laughs> intense but uh she's but like 15 i at all appreciate the dedication because to prepare for her role as snow white bailey madison the actress watched videos of jennifer goodwin and studied her performance in order to make her own performance consistent with snow white's like the, you know, the older version of her. She also wore green contact lenses for the role um, since her eyes are naturally brown. And during the filming of this episode, she had a loose tooth, which had to be glued back into her mouth. Oh my gosh. Yep. Oh man. So this, this kid this kid has I think more due diligence like you know she's you know she's serious about the role so Mm -hmm. like she's doing like yeah her due diligence for it and I think she does more like role prep than a lot of like adult tv actors you know
1: yeah I mean it sure freaking sounds like it yeah (laughs) meanwhile in Troybrook Mr. Gold wants Mary Margaret to be interviewed by the district attorney in the hopes her sweet personality as a darling elementary school teacher with no prior brushes with the law will dazzle him. Emma thinks this is needless kissing up. Mr. Gold insists that perception is everything. Mr. Gold is right.
0: Court is a theater, people.
1: Sydney interrupts, bringing a vase of flowers to Emma's office. And quietly reporting to the sheriff that he hasn't been able to find anything, but he vows he won't stop until he does.
0: Do, 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 Inspector Gadget, do, 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 do. I just love his little outfit. He's <laughs> Inspector Gadget.
1: He is so into this double agent role. <laughs> no he's like so proud of himself he's, like walking out of
0: that a room failed actor and i don't mean that as like john Carlos or No, no 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 not no, him no, no, it's sydney is but yeah sydney is it's like it's like he went to community theater or, or community college theater and stuff and he just really got into it and and he just wishes that he had, you know, gotten that one role. So now he's like getting real into this character.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful because it's Giancarlo, who's an amazing actor, playing Sydney, And Sydney, who's a bad actor, playing this double agent role. And it's just, it, it's great. It's really great. It's such a small moment, but a great moment. When Emma comes back to Mary Margaret and Mr. Gold, Mary Margaret has decided she will talk to the DA. The DA walks in. Introducing himself as Mr. Spencer. It's King George from the Enchanted Forest.
0: Man, fuck
1: this guy.
0: No, not this bastard.
1: Get out of here, jerk. Honey. I,
2: I hate him. There's jerk me alert. and Kel and we're just like, and you're like, he's
1: not very nice. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <make> just <laughs> like,
2: I just like that fuck this guy and, and this bastard is followed up by, he's a jerk
0: he's a jerk <laughs> like the Goonies jerk alert. jerk alert
1: while Regina and Emma watch from behind a two-way mirror Mr. Spencer conducts his interview with Mary Margaret his line of questioning is leading pestering and provoking Mary Margaret until she finally says in sarcasm yes of course I wanted her gone she was the only thing keeping us apart so yeah I wanted her gone is that what you want to hear She stops just as she realizes, yes, of course, this is what he wanted to hear. More importantly, it is what Regina wanted to hear as she smiles smugly to herself behind the two-way mirror. This is one
0: of the most gifable images of Mr. Gold right after Mary Margaret says that, throwing his head back in exasperation like, Jesus, take the wheel and deliver me from these imbeciles.
1: (laughs) In the Enchanted Forest, Regina is preparing for another outing on her horse when Cora suddenly cast a spell, changing her into a gown. King Leopold, Snow White's father, has arrived to thank Regina for saving his daughter's life. Good lord, this schmuck again. Yeah. The king explains that Snow's mother passed away years ago, and he scoured the land for a wife, unable to find a woman with an interest in his daughter until now. This is some bullshit.
0: I smell bullshit. You're a goddamn king. First of all, uh, in researching for this episode his wife died two years ago he makes it sound like like she died in childbirth she died wait, two years ago okay
2: wait really yes so she's like barely cold in her grave when he's pulling this shit oh yeah, yeah we, we we did get a flashback later on of the wife dying yeah yeah,
0: yeah. it's two years that.
2: that's gross Yeah. Sorry, you can continue now. Just, I was like, wait. (laughs) No,
0: I I like your outrage joining mine. There is no woman that is going to snub her nose at Snow White, or at least not all of them. Like, I get the occasional ambitious woman who would want to send Snow to, like, the enchanted boarding school so she can hoard the king to herself or make way for her own heirs. But if Leopold truly, quote, scoured his kingdom, which of course means he limited himself to noble women, I truly doubt he would not have found a few suitable women by now but he's going for this woman who's 22 years old because hey she's hot she's single and to the best of his knowledge of good birth and a decent enough person to save a little girl from a runaway horse
1: i legit hate king leopold like i don't think i realized how shitty he is last time i watched the show but ever since we rewatched fruit of the poisonous tree i'm like this guy sucks so king leopold Thinks this is an appropriate enough reason to propose marriage to a young woman he literally just met 10 seconds ago. Regina is justifiably panicking internally as she remains speechless, giving opportunity for her toxic mother, Cora, to accept King Leopold's proposal on Regina's behalf.
0: God damn it, Cora. Even Prince Henry is shaking his head at Regina like, oh my god, no,
2: what the fuck, mate? Cora is terrible, but. So is freaking King Leopold. Like, this whole proposal is so weird and inappropriate. You don't know this girl from a log. Like, it's fantastic she saved your daughter. It is. But just like, oh no, give her a medal or something. This is gross. Snow White's dad sucks. He's
1: legit a creep. He, yeah, he's yeah. Stevie. That evening, Regina flees to the stable where she finds Daniel, embraces him, and asks him to marry her. She tearfully explains to him the king's proposal and her mother's acceptance, concluding that the only way is to run away. Daniel gently warns her that life with the stable boy is a lot rougher and less glam than a life as a queen would be. But Regina says life is nothing without him, as he is all she cares about. Daniel surprises Regina with a simple gold ring he had waiting for her, slipping it on Regina's finger. They kiss, but are interrupted by Snow White who has come to the stable to follow Regina's advice of getting back on the horse. Shocked, Snow asks Regina what she's doing with the stable boy, but before Regina explains, Snow White runs away. Regina frantically dashes after her.
0: You know, I I don't care if I'm nitpicking here, but who is watching this child? She is a princess. She is a literal princess. It's night, and she just decided, oh, I'm gonna go for a midnight ride. Come on this is ridiculous
2: no i'm i'm with you like why is this little girl out here to ride a horse at like 11 at night someone is getting fired for this oh yeah probably
1: beheaded actually
2: yeah (laughs) i mean they could be getting literally fired they could oh yeah yeah you know times
1: being what they were (laughs) regina chases down snow white who stumbles to the ground regina comes to her aid but snow is only hurt by her feelings of confusion She does not understand why Regina was kissing another man if she is to marry King Leopold and become Snow White's mother. Regina explains to Little Snow that while the king is a kind man, she doesn't love him. Regina tells young Snow that true love is the most powerful magic of all and that it creates happiness. After hearing this, Snow insists Regina must marry the stable boy if that's who she really loves. Snow wants to tell the king the good news, but Regina insists no one can know, especially her mother. Regina asks Snow to keep it secret. Snow promises, especially, never to tell Regina's mother. But what I want to know is why don't Regina and Daniel run away that night? Like, girl, you know how fucked up your mom is. Get out now. This is your best chance. Just run. Uh, It's so frustrating that they wait. Preach.
0: Honestly, I I think this is where like privilege can come into play because Regina wants to like pack a bag, you know, like she doesn't get that. This is a moment to just run, even though she knows how dangerous Cora is well. She thinks she knows. But, you know, I'm sure she's like, I must pack all of these things because, you know, as as sweet as Regina is, let's be real, she is, you know, a little rich
1: girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things would be much better if she had. Or Cora would have just chased them down and killed them. In Storybrooke, August finds Emma reading Henry's book, though she says she's grasping at straws. August suggests Emma re-examine what she has already done to see if her perspective changes. First, it was a missing persons case then it became a murder. Then a cover-up. If you knew that then, suggests August, maybe you would have approached things differently. Emma gets up to go to the scene of the crime. August insists on coming with her.
2: Fucking August. Thank god he's here to hold Emma's little girl hand through this whole thing because really he would know how to best solve a case, you know, from all his years as a sheriff. Oh wait, he wasn't a sheriff, was he? No, he's just a deadbeat. Also, his hair is so greasy in this scene. Like, yeah, it's rainy in this section. That is not a substitute for a shower, you disgusting creep. <laughs> actually bathe.
0: I'm sorry, Lynn, but I actually like this scene and I like August in it. He does actively help Emma retrace the case and organize her thoughts so that her perspective shifts to where it needs to be. He was actually useful. Smug, of course, but useful.
1: That's fine. You're just dead to me. Oh. as they make their way to the embankment near the river where catherine's heart was found august grimaces and gasps in pain but dismisses emma's concern examining the hole in which ruby discovered the box emma finds a shard of a shovel she thinks might fill in the missing piece to explain who really buried catherine's heart later that evening Henry helps Emma and August slip into Regina's house by giving them a heads up over the walkie-talkie when Regina goes to take a shower. They use the spare keys Henry left under the mat to get inside the house and into the garage where they go through Regina's tools and find the shovel with a missing piece that matches the shard Emma found exactly. Go Operation Cobra, go! I bet Henry was so excited to help out with the secret mission. Of course he was. He's a very good boy. We return to the Enchanted Forest, where Snow White is admiring an orchid, reaching out to touch one before Cora startles her. Cora says Snow ought to be the flower girl, as she has noticed that Snow and Regina have bonded. She then puts on an act, saying that she has noticed that Regina has pulled away, and that as her mother, she would want to do anything to make her daughter happy. Being a little girl and a coddled one raised without dishonesty, Snow is easily manipulated.
0: This poor kid is just a pawn in Cora's web, and I feel so bad for her because she's just pure and kind.
2: Right? Like, wow, Cora. Manipulating a literal child by preying on her grief. Super classy, you asshat. She's so evil. Like,
1: damn. Cora further plays on Snow's emotions of loss for her mother, saying how much King Leopold remarked that Snow's mother loved her and how difficult it was to lose her. She pretends that she and Regina are close, claiming that she loves Regina so much, but Regina doesn't let her help. Cora says she'd do anything to show Regina her happiness is all that matters. Snow jumps up and begs Cora not to let Regina marry the king because she loves someone else. Snow does not want Regina to lose her mother. Cora reassures Snow White that she can be trusted, which we of course know is a big fat lie. In Storybrooke, Emma shows up at Regina's house with a search warrant and asks her to open the garage. Emma strides into the garage to see a perfectly unbroken shovel. Emma asks Regina where the original shovel went and how she knew Emma was coming. Regina tells Emma that Mary Margaret is a liar and a murderer and that she's going to pay for what she's done. Emma goes to August's room at Granny's B&B because she thinks he told Regina about the shovel, but he swears he didn't. I'm not a liar, he solemnly swears. Emma doesn't entirely believe him. I love uh, the music theme that they use for August in the scene. Um, they use it a few times for him, and it's it's really such a nice piece. It really builds an atmosphere that feels both mysterious and also full of regret, um, which makes a lot of sense as we learn more about him.
2: He's like such an entitled creep in this scene, though. And he acts like Emma should be able to draw on their long history and all of, like the fine, upstanding things he's done over the years. But she doesn't really know you al and
1: women don't owe you trust for nothing stop being gross true. true meanwhile regina visits mary margaret in her jail cell and rubs in how much she's looking forward to the trial and mary margaret's eventual departure from storybrook mary margaret gets upset and cries and and begs regina to forgive her for whatever she did to make her so angry at her she cries i i, I don't deserve this i did not kill Catherine. Regina reaches through the bars to caress Mary Margaret's cheeks, replying softly, I know. And she like grabs them. Ugh, it's so creepy. <laughs> uh, much to Mary Margaret's great shock. Regina then adds, but you do deserve this.
0: Damn, this is like some family friendly torture
1: porn. And you like see this revelation on Mary Margaret's face like, damn, this this woman is pure evil. She really did set me up and I have no idea why. Ugh.
0: It was uh, Lana's idea, apparently, to, like, reach out and, like,
1: caress Mary Margaret's face. It's pretty, it's pretty brutal. Like, it's a brutal Mm. moment. Yeah. We cut back to the enchanted forest where Regina and Daniel are about to depart, only to be thwarted by Cora. Her magic throws them back and locks them in the stable. Regina pleads with her mother to listen, saying she wants to be with Daniel. Cora says she did not commit the sacrifices or struck the deals she made to climb out of poverty, only to have Regina become the wife of a stable boy. It is up to Cora to decide Regina's future. Regina tells her mother she'll have to keep them there, in the stable forever, to stop them from escaping. Cora acts as if she's okay with it, saying, who am I to stop you? Regina hugs her mother before Cora pulls Daniel aside and compassionately offers him advice a parent will always have to do what's best for their child. Daniel agrees and says that's what she's doing for Regina. Cora agrees before promptly ripping Daniel's heart out of his chest and crushes it into ash. Devastated, Regina cries over Daniel's body while her mother tells her this is her happy ending. Love is weakness, Regina, Cora says. She adds that true power endures and says once Regina has real power, she won't have to rely on anyone to get what she wants. Regina turns on her mother, shouting that she loved Daniel. Cora grabs her daughter and commands her to wipe away her tears because she's going to become queen.
0: Cora is top tier ultimate stage mom. She is Joan Crawford mommy dearest realness. Like, yeah. wow
1: yeah yeah this part is so fucked up like Cora is forcing Regina into the life that she wanted for herself and the levels of how even more this plot is messed up uh, is actually something we'll we'll get to explore later on in another episode so no spoilers but damn that Korra man she'd fit in on like a much more brutal show like she is she is hardcore yeah I think she and Cersei from
0: Game of Thrones would be friends and then enemies and then in-laws And then take one another out. Yeah.
1: A day or so later, Snow watches as Regina has a fitting and tailoring in her wedding dress and says she is the fairest of them all. She hopes to be this beautiful when she marries. An emotionally numb, Regina murmurs reassurances. Snow comments that she knows Regina and Daniel will be so happy together. A surprise Regina blinks out of her daze, confused. Snow explains that Cora is a wonderful mother, as she would do anything for Regina's happiness. Regina staggers off the dais, speechless, and nearly falls over. She pulls Snow aside and asks if Snow told her mother about Regina and Daniel. Yes, Snow readily admits. Snow apologizes for breaking the promise and says, I just didn't want you to lose your mother like I lost mine. Sensing something's off, Snow asks Regina if she's mad at her.
0: Oh, the look that Lana makes when she turns her head away from snow. Like, it is so good. It's like a silent scream of, like, rage and grief. Lana makes the best expressions, particularly in this episode. But, oh, I love that. I love that expression she makes.
1: Regina suddenly shifts from sadness to wild-eyed vengeance, but she keeps a cool head and her words careful. Almost robotically she tells Snow that what she had with Daniel was not real. It was an infatuation and he has gone away. She's going to marry Snow's father and be Snow's stepmother and she couldn't be happier. Snow embraces her before Cora joins them and tells Snow to go to her room to help pack for the journey back to her castle. Cora compliments Regina, telling her how proud she is of Regina. Regina asks her mother if the horse with snow on it went wild on its own. Her mother claims to know nothing about it. Regina walks away and snarls, I should have let her die on that horse.
2: Yeah, you know, the woman who actually murdered your fiancé is standing right there. But blame the literal child who was clearly emotionally blackmailed by your serial
1: killer mother. What the actual fuck, Regina? There's no going back now. She's gotta murder everyone, especially the small child. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> but i really do wonder like is it fear of cora that causes her to redirect her anger at snow white or if it's actually because of remaining love to cora loyalty a need for validation from her mother like why is the trigger snow white why is it not at her mother She's um, smaller and easier to kill i guess
0: i think all of those guesses are completely valid i mean not as invalid to transfer her murder lost one to a literal child but I, I think that those are like valid guesses for regina's logic yeah it's probably a mix Uh, of
1: all of them fear I mean I mean you
0: kind of saw you know that moment where her brain sort of breaks yeah she just like suddenly just turns on this like robot voice of like like I'm gonna marry your father and and I'm gonna be your stepmother And we are going to be so happy together. Like it's really Stepford Wife, you know, level of just like, like her brain went, bye bye. Like Regina was not there anymore. And so I think like part of her brain just zeroed in on Snow and the promise and, and everything because she fears her mother who she knows she should love, and be loyal to and or whatever you know like all this other nonsense you know that you grow up with in an an abusive you know toxic relationship with you know she can't she can't like transfer that anger to her yet
2: i suppose but on the other hand like she literally watched cora murder daniel and then became the eric andre meme again and was just like why would snow white do this yeah and it's like she Snow White's not the one who reached her hand into his chest, ma'am.
1: Yeah, she probably just feels powerless against it. So So then she she in turn will be a bully to someone else who is also powerless. Yeah. Man, I fucking guess. In Storybrook, Regina clutches her ring and whispers, We got her, Daniel. We got her. Um, but if Daniel were here, he'd be going, What, what, what are you doing? Look at your life, look at your choices. He would not approve Regina. He'd be like, uh, I heard you murdered your horse and your dad. And now you're like tormenting that nice child you saved earlier. So I'm out. Like, mm, they didn't know.
0: (laughs) I don't think Christopher Reeves lookalike would ever approve. He seemed like a nice dude who would not murder small children. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He would not.
0: Even when those small children grow up into nice young women, you know, like.
2: He doesn't yeah. seem like he really just approves of murder
1: yeah,
2: bar none. Period.
1: Yeah. 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 He he seemed like a nice, nice, nice man and uh he he would not be on board with this, Regina. No. No. Meanwhile, Mary Margaret is escorted from her jail cell by two police officers. Emma confronts Mr. Gold about how he swore he could defend Mary Margaret. He insists there's still time for him to work a little magic.
2: He's gonna give him the old razzle-dazzle.
1: Razzle-dazzle him.
0: Jazz hands, ladies. Time for the press conference, (laughs) right?
1: After he departs, Emma goes into her office, grabs the vase Sydney gave her, and hurls it at the wall in anger. In the pieces, she finds what looks to be a bug. What? Sydney betrayed us? No! Who saw that coming other than everyone ever? Emma catches August leaving Granny's diner and apologizes for doubting him. She shows him the bug, acknowledging that she trusted the wrong people all along. She laments that she should have seen it, but August tells her not to beat herself up over it, as it's sometimes hard to see what's right in front of us. This smug asshole. They hear a scream from behind the diner, and run back to find Ruby in shock, gasping, she's in the alley! Poor Ruby keeps being the one to stumble upon these things. She's really unlucky. Emma goes back behind the diner and sees a body on the ground. She turns it over and it's Catherine alive. What a twist. And credits. Dun, dun, dun. So I do like this episode. It's not as strong a standalone as Red Handed, Heart of Darkness or Hat Trick, but it's solid and once it ended, I was like, no, I wanna keep watching even though I know what's gonna happen next. This episode lets us know more about why Regina is the way she is. And, you know, even though an awful upbringing and, and deep personal tragedy does not excuse any of her behavior, to quote Brooklyn 99 cool motive, still murder, but you can really see the blueprint to who Regina becomes. Uh, you realize she's, she's just become Cora. And I think if this young Regina in like her cute riding outfit, stealing smooches from her stable boy boyfriend, knew who Regina becomes, uh, she'd probably be sick.
0: Agreed. Although I am so excited to have Cora in the ring. If y'all thought Regina is a top tier baddie, this is her mama and her mama ain't playing one bit. Cora is in it to win it. Also, a fun fact about this episode is that originally all of the Enchanted Forest flashbacks were set to air in episode two. But according to Adam Horowitz, he said that they realized they needed to build up to the stable boy.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. This would have not worked as episode no, two. No, talk about no.
0: willing way too
1: early. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Oh man, I'm so glad I made the decision to move it towards the end because there would have been no payoff to have it be right at the beginning.
0: Yeah. So do you, do you two find that this buildup was worth it like it's hard to say during a rewatch, right because we already know what is coming but do you remember like what you first felt when you first watched this episode and like this big reveal of why regina hates mary margaret aka snow white is finally revealed to the audience like did you feel it was satisfactory Did you feel like it was not justifiable because obviously it isn't, but honestly, I. mm, Or did you feel underwhelmed?
2: It's mixed. So on the one hand, I very much understood like how the death of her true love being her villain origin story made sense. Like I'll, I'll give her that. But her justification for this being Snow White's fault and why she hates Snow White and why she's a vendetta for Snow White has never worked for me. Yeah. Because I've always, I've always been of the, look, the guy who murdered your fiance is standing right there. Why are you, why are we even paying attention to the child right now? She didn't, she didn't, she didn't do anything.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. um I remember watching this for the first time and and definitely feeling for Regina, like, it's awful. And you can see that, like, hey, she she was a decent person. And really shitty things happened to her. And, you know, it does kind of leave you, like, why, why is all your anger focused on this child? Because, yeah, this child is the reason that your mom found out about your secret, but she's pretty powerful. She, One way or another, she would have found, out, found out. If it and- hadn't been
2: this little girl, she would have used some of her, like, whatever horrible resources she has to have figured it out.
1: And I think uh, what Chell said earlier, that you see that that snap in her brain. Like, she is... I do not think she is thinking clearly. I, I do not think she sees herself at this time as a match for Cora. You know, she has turned dark. She's turned brutal. She needs an outlet for her anger. And she is pinpointing it on this child because this child is someone weaker than her. And she feels weak in her own situation. So she is going to target the only person in the room that she feels is weaker than her. Which is a shitty thing to do um because that's just some shitty bully nonsense at that it point. is it is she is finding the person the person who is weaker than her she's she is like i can't do anything about my situation but you know what i can do something about is i can pin it all on this one person because they can't fight back Which and she's true. going to
0: be like a literal parent figure now so she's gonna have like all this potential influence on her. yes
1: she has the power in this one situation regina has the power so but and
0: not it, power over her mother
1: no she has power over snow white and which essentially you know turns regina into cora cora is someone who wants power felt like she didn't have the power but she had power over regina and ruined her life and now regina's like well that's what i'll that's what i know that's what i'll do i will now ruin snow white's life because that's all I, all I know how to do and that's that's you know that's not an excuse it's not something she should have done but i think that's the that's the pattern that we see here that's that's what's happening
0: and i can't help but wonder like not to excuse regina right but regina just had like a really rough traumatizing like 24 hours you know since meeting this kid and and like you know trying to like balance her love life with like her you know domineering mom and then like this whole situation happens and I can't help though but wonder if King Leopold had actually fucking tried like really tried with Regina and treated her like a loving equal I don't know like I I just feel what glimpse we saw of him in Fruit of the Poisonous Tree which you know not a great episode but like what we saw of him I'm just like this asshole didn't try with her I bet like I don't know. I bet if like things had even gone differently there, like her anger would probably have cooled or something. And she'd have been like, all right, you know, not the life I thought. And I'm really still sad, but you know, maybe I can make this work for good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I hate to pass the buck to him, but like, but she's I mean, only 22.
2: That- but even then know? that's still, that's still everyone in the room being horrible to her, but Snow. Cora did this horrible thing to her. Mm-hmm. And then
1: Leopold was shitty to her. Yeah, and she probably also feels like she doesn't have any power against Leopold. So yeah, she just takes it out all out on Snow White. It's a yeah. cycle of abuse. So then it doesn't it doesn't really
2: make for a good like villain backstory motive. It just makes her a bully, which is not it's not compelling and I feel like it actually shows a weakness of character for her. Yeah. Like yeah. it would have been much more compelling if like as discussed the whole thing about like she doesn't feel like she is an unequal footing to like take cora on head to head, like Sure, but it'd be much more compelling narrative if it was more like, so she bid her time until she could and it was a revenge story.
1: Yeah, I uh, here I think, I think, I think we can remove a line and make this a more interesting story. If we remove Regina walking out of the room at the end of that sequence saying, I should have let her die on that horse. So instead it's a slow burn where she's just more and more unhappy and looking back at this change point in her life and and it gets twisted where it becomes, eventually becomes targeted at Snow White where initially it's like this horrible thing done by Cora and then she's all like, yeah, but everything changed because of that one time Snow White. Like she came and she ruined everything. Um, like and then it's would, like a honestly... slow twist. It yeah. Yeah, would have be worked better. Yeah, more I, compelling
2: because then you would see it like it was like a slow descent into the eventual madness of her being like, it all started with Snow White. This is all Snow White's problem. Yeah, like but, having it be like that quick yeah, of a like her like, like sitting
0: down and actually going- when did my life go wrong? Yeah, you know, like if that was, it. if
2: that-, that was like an episode down the line, and like you said, she like has a like a moment where she just sits down and is like, "When did this shit get so off track?" And like has like a whenever I think about it, always comes down to the moment with that little girl.
1: It's Burr, yeah, in Hamilton. Exactly. Like it's Hamilton. Every time, every time it's Hannah It was Hamilton. That's yeah, that's more compelling that's than more like. Compelling.
2: Then like literally fifteen minutes after she watches her mother murder her fiance, she goes, It's this kid's fault. And it's like yeah. it's yeah. clearly not you just fucking space. Yeah. Just
1: remove that line, just remove that line and it works because then, like, you know, we see the flashbacks of her in the palace and just being shoved to the side, King Leopold not even trying, but going on and on and on about how beautiful his daughter is, which was weird. Mm-hmm. Because then in that case you have it like it's
2: years and years of this stacking until she finally goes like mad. And is just paid for revenge. Games
0: being ignored and kind of like seen as an object of just beauty that he owns mm-hmm. yeah
1: so she just then, way more which
0: again ties into a potential way to tie in a future storyline that will come in as well like that growing resentment because king leopold is to me he's a lot more sinister and like a low-key villain
2: oh no he sucks oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, I think, I think this is great. And obviously like, you know, we're getting closer to the, to the season finale where we're going to like be kind of analyzing this season overall in our in our wrap up and you know looking at like what worked what didn't what could have been better and i think like something like this is a pivotal plot you know plot point where it could have been so much better and they didn't have to do a whole lot to to Mm -hmm. make it better remove a line remove a line Remove a line it could have been better and add like one little scene in where she yeah looked at like reflected back probably in like the next like couple of episodes when we go to the enchanted forest flashbacks and that's like when she was like the big revelation
2: yeah that would have that would have been a much more compelling narrative than than you know the basically just being the eric andre meme and it's like cora kills daniel why would snow
1: white do this
0: yeah excellent
1: conversation nice nice
0: costumes
1: yay um i love regina's blue riding coat it's beautiful i love the cut of it um it's wonderful emma looks so cute in her hooded leather jacket especially with she ponytail has, and her ponytail and then she when she has the hood up the jacket it's adorable it's a great emma look
0: yeah i like i like everyone's outfits dear, especially little snows i want that pink outfit that we first see her in
2: the little coat the wool coat
0: Yes.
1: It's- oh it's
2: so pretty it's so I'm cute with you. i want it too
1: and Little Snow also has that one like white dress. Yay. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, really yeah, pretty. Like the the dress she
2: wears, the dress she wears when Regina is being fitted for her wedding dress. Yeah, is absolutely
1: stunning. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is a real nice episode costume-wise.
0: All right, time for Who's That Guest Star, in which we give a little background info on the guest stars. In episode 18, we have Noah Bean as Daniel Coulter, aka the Stable Boy. Mr. Bean <laughs> is from Beantown itself. Boston, and can be found on television shows such as Ed, Lipstick Jungle, Dark Blue, Damages, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Nikita, Twelve Monkeys, Shut Eye, and The Enemy Within. Bailey Madison as Young Snow White. Florida-born Madison has appeared in numerous film and television titles, including Bridge to Terabithia, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Wizards of Waverly Place, R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. The Fosters, and Good Witch. Tony Perez as Prince Henry. Mr. Perez has enjoyed a long and fruitful career in film and television, appearing in movies such as Scarface, Alien Nation, The Pest, The Net, Blow, Looking for Lola, and Close Range. Even more illustrious is his television career, where you can find him on shows such as If Loving You is Wrong, Burn Notice, Six Feet Under, Murder One, Diary of a Serial Killer, NYPD Blue, ER, and Hill Street Blues.
1: So Elisa, yeah, where does this episode fit in the timeline? Well, lucky for you, I have that. So our key to placing this episode in the previous 17 episodes is, of course, Regina and Snow White, as this is the first time they meet. The episode closest to following this one would be episode 11, The Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, as that episode is the farthest back one we have seen already, That shows Regina married to King Leopold. Of course, the Snow White we see in episode 11 is much older than the one we see here in episode 18. So I think it's safe to guess maybe 10 or so years have gone by, maybe a little less. 10. 10. Okay. 10 to 12. And then as far as episodes before this one, we only have two episodes uh, with older flashbacks so far. The oldest being, of course, the origin story of Stillskin as the Dark One in episode eight, Desperate Souls. And then after that, we got episode five, That Still Small Voice, uh, which ends with Geppetto as a child, um, who is older than Regina. So this one lands sometime after episode five, That Still Small Voice. And before episode 11, the fruit of the poisonous tree, with some significant time between all three of those episodes that, you know, as the seasons go on, we're going to see fill in. All right. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Mr. Gold attempts to uncover the true identity of August while Emma confronts Regina about her involvement in Catherine's disappearance. And David tries to reconcile with Mary Margaret. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, we discover what happened to Balefire after Rumplestilskin became the Dark One. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the narrators three. The moral of this episode is redirect your murder rage at the actual murderer, not a literal child. You can find us on
2: Anchor.fm slash Once Upon a Rewatch.
1: Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at Once Upon Rewatch. On Instagram at
2: Once Upon Rewatch. On Tumblr at Once Upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple
1: Podcasts or on your platform of choice. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all podcast devices come with a price. I'm like, if Daniel were here, he'd be going <laughs> That's what Daniel'd
2: be doing. He'd be That's going, what he would Mow. be doing. He'd
0: be screaming. he'd be meowing in protest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just be sitting in a corner like a lunatic, going, wow,